May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Words from Psalm 19. Today I would like to start our focus on the second reading brought to us by Chris Paul. Paul is talking to the sisters and brothers in Corinth. The town of Corinth in those days had a very multi-ethnic character. It was a big harbor town placed very central in ancient Greek, right between the mainland Greece and the Peloponnesus, between Athens and Sparta, and controlling the very important Corinth Channel. So the people of Corinth were used to deal with people from all over the known world. If we read a little bit between the lines in Paul's letters to the Corinthians, we can easily conclude that this melting pot of people came with certain tensions. Paul's problem was that these tensions between the different groups of the town's population had a negative effect on the church in Corinth. The division that existed among the people of Corinth also existed within the church. And that conflicted with Paul's idea about the church. And he explains that idea in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. A very important verse. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And that is followed by verse 13 with these words. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink from one spirit. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink from one spirit. And that goes for all believers. When Paul speaks about Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, he just means everyone. Their view of society in those days was quite simple. It was us and them. The Greeks talked about Helenoi kai barbaroi, Greeks and others. 
and it was quite obvious how they thought about these others compared to themselves. It's not for nothing that they called them barbaroi. They were barbarians. It was the difference between the cultivated and the uncultivated world. Jews used to talk about Jews and Gentiles. Jews on the one hand and the rest of the peoples at the other. Us and them. Back to Paul now. All members of the church were equal, according to Paul. Whether they were Jews or not, frees or slaves. And that idea was quite unheard of in those days. Even Paul normally accepted the social status of slaves. But he acknowledges here that as believers, slaves were of equal standing as anyone else in the church. That was remarkable. Paul makes it very clear that all members of the church, no matter where they came from or what their social status was, were equal members of the one body of Christ. And in this sense, he wanted to correct the people of the church in Corinth, who had brought social division into the church. Paul expresses that like this, we are all baptized into one body, drinking of one spirit. All these different members of the church need one another. They can't be church without one another. One member cannot say to the other, you are less or I don't need you. We need one another to be church. And when a certain member seems weaker than the rest, he is indispensable. And if a member looks less respectable than others, we have to treat them with greater respect. And if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. We can't do without each other. We can't be church without each other. Paul was talking about Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free. It would be helpful for us to ask what in our context, in our own time, corresponds to these culturally divided pairs as we saw them in verse 13. Paul says that all the differences between the members of the church are all overcome in baptism and brought to surprising and profound unity in Christ. But what does that mean for our view on society today? What are the differences in our society to be compared with Jews and Gentiles, free and slaves? Should we say black or white? Asian or African or American or from down under or from Europe? Straight or gay or non-binary? 
Single or married? Citizen with a passport or undocumented? Rich or poor? Young or old? Male or female? And what about the homeless or the mentally ill? Are all our members in our time treated with equality, the equality that they are entitled to? Are we able to say that no matter if they are slave or free, we include everyone? And what about the sinners? Are they equal partners in the kingdom? Paul is very clear, and he follows Jesus himself in this. When somebody seems weaker, he is indispensable. When someone looks less respectable, we have to treat them with greater respect. So, yes, we have to include even the sinners. Or should we say sinners in particular, because they need it the most. When Paul says everyone, he means everyone. Every single one. And what is this really all about? What is Paul trying to say about the church in Corinth and elsewhere? Paul wants the church to be the foreshadowing of the kingdom the foreshadowing of the kingdom of God. And in God's eyes, all are created after his own image, male and female, no one excluded, everyone included. And this brings us to the gospel reading we heard today. Jesus explains to the people in Nazareth that on that day the kingdom has come and is standing right in front of them. And he referred to the prophet Isaiah with these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. What Jesus is saying is, the kingdom is here already. The kingdom has come. And it is up to the church, it's up to us, to proclaim it all over the world. It's up to the church to foreshadow the kingdom in its appearance. What goes in the kingdom of God, goes in the church. And if we're asking ourselves if we are doing the right things in church... We should ask ourselves, what would Jesus say or do? And does this fit in with the kingdom? This week we pray for the unity of all Christians. And at this moment, I see two aspects in this unity. First of all, the unity of the kingdom of God itself. As Christians, we have to be united. Each and every one can be part of the kingdom of God. God created humans in his own image. We're all equal in his image. 
The kingdom of God is an inclusive community. Nobody is to be excluded. And the second aspect that deserves an exclamation mark, there is in this country, there are in this country, hundreds of different Christian denominations. All over the world, there are thousands. And I can't find the verse in the Bible that says, create as many denominations as you can. Unity and division cannot exist next to one another. Let us not only pray for denominations to come together, but let's do it. Starting with our neighbors, with other international churches in the region, with Dutch churches. A week of prayer every year should not become an excuse to become inactive in the ecumenical field. Let's work for unity. Let's do unity. Let us pray. Dear God, you created one church to worship you. And we humans turned it into a tohabo again, into chaos. Send your Holy Spirit to guide us on our path to unity. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.